SVU before SVU. <laughs> oh, it's a, that's a that's an interesting take. I like that. Because like it's like what because I feel like that I'm like wait a minute, this is like a recent episode like within the last 5 6 maybe 7 years there's been an episode exactly like like exactly like this. Really? <laughs> yes, no joke. No joke. Um, oh my god. Some liberties are taken, but there's always a dead prostitute and then moles <laughs> in uh public uh public uh government officials and all kind of people. It, yeah, there's always some kind of network or something. Yeah. And also if you're a conspiracy theorist, the whole network of like trafficking people and drugs. It's not really a conspiracy theory. I mean, it's conspiracy too of things maybe, but yeah, I I mean, you 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 can come for the quasi creepy love story, you can come for the cabal of criminal activity and poor women who are losing their lives because these men are on some R Kelly shit. <laughs> Oh my god. But uh as far as our really melanated episode, Carolyn, what episode movie is this? Um well, we are discussing the 1981 film Diva, uh directed by Jean-Jacques Benix. Um yeah, and it's a bit of a everything, isn't it? It's got a little bit of everything. Yes. Maybe I guess that's what um SVU is a little bit oh everything. God, it shouldn't be, <laughs> but it is. I've heard the complaints. <laughs> oh my God. So um, I guess, do you want a little synopsis? I guess I should give everybody a little synopsis. Please. Gonna, it took me a while. Um, so this, this film, like I said before, has a little bit of everything in it. So uh, you need to stick with me with the synopsis. So um, here it goes. So Jules is a young letter carrier who is obsessed with American opera singer Cynthia Hawkins. He records her highly protected and as yet never recorded soprano voice at her show, gets her autograph and steals her show-stopping gown from the night's performance. The next day, he unwittingly becomes embroiled in a prostitution ring police takedown that goes terribly wrong. As uh, a soon-to-be-dead prostitute hides an incriminating cassette tape in his uh, postal bag. So that's number one. Number two, the same day Jules meets Alba, a street-smart Asian teen 
who he strikes a friendship up with um and he's kind of smitten with her and he's curious about her thieving ways because she's kind of a little bit of a street urchin um but in a sophisticated way she's also the muse of Gorodish, a mysterious man of immeasurable wealth who lives in a warehouse straight out of an 80s new wave video so there's number two so alba and Gorodish will come into play as Jules's apartment is trashed by henchmen looking for the bootleg tape that Jules made. There's also a um, dirty cop theme here as well. Um, Jules also feels guilty for stealing Cynthia's dress, so he returns it. And then they strike up kind of a friendship slash flirtation. Um, and then there's also a crazy chase in the subway and uh, Gorodish makes short work of all the gangster activity um, and mayhem. So there you go. That's the synopsis. It's a lot. It's a lot. There's like six movies in one, um, but I'll tell you the main, I'll give you the four main stars because there's a lot of cast in this. So um, Jules is played by Frederick Andre. Um, Cynthia Hawkins is played by an American soprano, Wilhelmina Fernandez. And Gorodish is played by Richard Boringer. And Alba is played by Tui An Lu. And there's also uh, kind of a horror connection here, too. Um, Dominique Pinon is play, he plays um, a character called Le Curé, and he is kind of a thug. He's also, he was seen in Alien uh, Resurrection. Um, delicatessen, delicatessen, um, a few other kind of iconic films out there. So he's, this was his first film. So, yeah. So, uh, what did you think of, uh, Diva, Ashley? <laughs> I wasn't sure what to expect from it, but, uh, once I started watching it, um, I was like, yo, I really like this. Like it is, um, I don't know. It's, it, I don't know much about foreign cinema. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I'm an American studies major, bachelor's. That's been my kind of line of study since I graduated. So um, I'm more of an American person, but like it did, I don't know. It felt like a very French film. Like, of course, I've seen foreign films, obviously, that I've really, really liked. But it did, it had, did have a very Euro European sensibility, I'm assuming, because it's so all over the place but still very intriguing you're still you can you're watching it and you're very much invested in these characters you're kind of on top of things and I also kind of like the deeper meanings behind the surface things even with um Cynthia first I wasn't sure whether she was European or not like my first assumption was that she was European and then I heard the name Cynthia Hawkins I was like oh no she's probably from Cincinnati or somewhere right so I'm like <laughs> okay dope but I also kind of like the kind of that kind of idea especially in like this is I know in the at the dawn of the 80s because they talked about you know being um you know you know disco singers being hot at the time in like 1980, 1981, but like, yeah, so she's this opera singer, which, you know, of course, I'm very, very familiar with Black opera singers, but also I do kind of like the angle of her not wanting commercial success, meaning that she appreciates how her fans come out to see her live, and she's not interested in putting it, in putting anything on wax, I thought that was really intriguing and interesting, especially when she's having the conversation with her manager slash friend. I'm not sure if he was playing her manager, but I, is, I just found that very fascinating. 
this idea that, you know, I guess going back to the, the, the title of the film, like why, why is she a diva when she's, con- when she's in control? And not to say that a diva is necessarily a bad term, but mm. also she's taking control of her own career where especially you know, back during this time, you, you're, if you were a performer, your, your career was not really in your hands. And she was doing that. And there were people out there, again, shadow men, in a sense, trying to sabotage that, trying to, again, control or master her, her art or trying to have, take a hold of it. Now, I think Jules, and this is something I would have done, to be perfectly honest, Jules loved her work so much that he wanted he wanted he wanted it recorded. Like I get that way a lot. Like I don't know if you did this when you were a kid, but for hours I would sit by the radio and wait for that song I really wanted to record on my tape player. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. That was yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I come from that generation too. I may look like a child, but I am ancient. But so, especially <laughs> in regards to like the kids I teach. So. Um, I used to do that. And so I understood Jules' motivation to do it. I'm like, this, I would have done that too. Because I want to take that home with me. I want to be able to listen anytime I want. Um, and then him kind of coming to an understanding at the end. I was just like, you know what? He Realizing kind of like maybe not having the full picture or be able to articulate why that why what he did was so terrible for especially for her but mm. kind of having a, but having an understanding of just like an understanding of like well this goes deeper than me just wanting wanting her work and appreciating it like in my house and in my home and wanting to listen to it at any time there there are people there are networks that are really trying to undermine someone I really 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 do appreciate for the work that she does Mm -hmm. so I mean that's just that's just one aspect of like again there's so much going on in this film but it all kind of comes together in a weird way yeah and um I was like wow I'm I was blown away I was like wow this is dope I like this yeah and like you know when I first kind of discovered this film I was um I'm gonna say like maybe my late teens early 20s I'm yeah, I'm gonna say maybe anywhere from like 18 to like 20. And um I think I saw it on late night TV and it kind of blew me away that this black woman, this sophisticated, cultured, talented black woman was kind of the object of desire. Um in terms of, you know, wanting her talent, like kind of wanting to steal her talent or Jules being like obsessed and, 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 you know, it wasn't even like a physical love. It was like an adoration. Like she was some sort of a goddess, you know, mm-hmm. um, he had this kind of like this, like um, he was in awe of her. And I, I, for me, that was really kind of, kind of mind blowing because you didn't really see black women in that light. Um, and also to your point, um, her being in control of her her uh, career, she this character was based on um, Jesse Norman, the opera singer Jesse Norman. And I actually found I'll link it um, in our show notes. I found uh, an article about her. And actually, side note, I went to um, uh, she had like kind of an an interview, like an intimate interview here in Toronto at Toronto Reference Library. It was the beginning of last year, I believe. And um, one of my good friends is a trained opera singer. She's she's Black as well. And we wanted to go see her. 
and we kind of snuck in because it was apparently a free but um it was a packed house it was a free event but we ended up going to see her and she was so like like dynamic and charming and even in her you know motorized wheelchair i didn't realize she died um in september last september i didn't know that um but that was such a wonderful event anyway i found an article uh where they interviewed her i believe in i don't know like in the mid 80s and she basically does did everything for herself she was in charge of her career she didn't want anybody to be in charge of her career so it's kind of neat to see like a character that's based off of uh, Jesse Norman. Um, yeah, I just thought that that was like the 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 focal point of um, Cynthia Hawkins was like so different. And, and to see it in a French film too, I'll talk about this a little bit later because French, I feel like France is a, it's a, a place of many contradictions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'll get into that later. But um, yeah, just this beautiful statuesque black woman who's kind of, she's trying to maintain her control over her herself. So it's, I don't know. I just thought it was really interesting. I was going to ask you in terms of um, like, do you know anything about the history of blacks, black Americans in France? I don't know if you know. Do you, have you read anything about that? That's a great question. I don't. Um, okay. I feel like if not a book or several books on this, there's definitely an article. Yeah. So, or article or several articles, um, whether they're kind of blog posts or peer-reviewed kind of research papers on it. There's yeah. definitely a history there. There's definitely something to look into. I don't. Again, not my wheelhouse. So, okay. but it's, but it's definitely, but like, oh well, you know, let's let's work from experience. You are in a woman of a certain age who has traveled, yeah. and you've been a black woman in Paris, in France. And what was that experience like for you? Ugh. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so here's my thing. So again, I saw. Um, diva i saw there's another film by i think it's luc besson um called um subway or metro and um that's another film actually so let me just backtrack so diva and metro and there's a couple of other films um and there's another director named leo carax and they all created films within this genre called cinema du look and Basically, it's style over substance. So there's a lot of more like they were mimicking like a lot of Hollywood kind of looks and 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 kind of a glossier, slicker look to film. Um, so those films, I feel like it was kind of a blip between um, the new wave French cinema. Then there was Cinema du Luc and then there was the French extremity. So it was kind of, a, I guess, a smaller cachet of films um so i saw that so it made me fall in love with paris like metro and diva specifically and i was like oh my god i want to go there it looks so cool um also there's another film called a little romance um with diane lane when she was a little girl and i think sir lawrence lawrence olivier is in it and she falls in love with this boy and it's oh it's i think it was like the first film that made me cry 
Um, and it's just very sweet and made me again, fall in love with Paris. So a uh, girlfriend of mine who is now living in the UK, um, she's oh my God, talk about travel bug, bug. this woman travels. <laughs> so her family is from uh, Cap Verde. Uh, it's like a small African island. So she has, this woman has family all over the world. So we're like, let's go mooch off of your cousins in Paris. <laughs> let's just be blunt about it we're like yeah let's go we'll get jobs um we went to the french embassy this is like a long convoluted story but i'll try to shorten it went to the french embassy they say you don't need any papers to work there i'm like great we get there <laughs> and we're like oh you need papers to work here <laughs> so ended up becoming a, an au pair or babysitter for this american woman who Oh my God. I actually looked her up and I saw her hanging out with uh, Prince Harry. This was like a few wow. years ago. I'm like, all right, Tony's hanging in there. Um, but anyway, she was married to this rich, rich French guy at the time, horrible person. Um, and so I was an au pair with her two little girls, lovely girls. I'm sure they're like gorgeous adults now. But my experience being in Paris as a black woman was that my friend's cousin, who um, was from Senegal, she's like, Carolyn, carry your papers. Make sure you always have your passport on you because the police will stop you. And also, um, I experienced Paris in many different areas. So I was, uh, uh, I, I hung out uh, in Sacré-Cœur, which is a beautiful area. It's, it's like a gorgeous kind of hip area. I was in the banlieue, which is like the, um, like the kind of uh, the suburbs, like lower class suburbs, a lot of immigrants there. And then I was in, uh, um, I babysat and I had like a little apartment across the street from the rich people I worked for uh, in Neuilly, which is like Yorkville times a thousand. So, um, and Yorkville is a very fancy area in Toronto. Um, so it's, it was like the richest rich people up there. And I don't even think that was actually the, the like snootiest neighborhood either. Mm -hmm. So I saw in these different, um, I guess, neighborhoods and worlds of Paris and I didn't really, I like Paris is, I found that people were fairly racist, <laughs> Wow. Okay. I mean, I just think generally, but also yeah. it's a weird contradiction because everybody just lives their life there. So like I applied for a job in a store and they said, Oh, you know, Caroline Morissette, oh, come in, come, come. We'll see you. I talked to them on the phone. They're like, come in, we have a job for you. And I went in and they're like, Oh, the job's taken. <laughs> <laughs> First they're like, you're Caroline. And I'm like, yes, I am. Hi, bonjour. And they're like, no. The, the job's taken so i'm like so, okay basically so, basically the united states yeah basically because <laughs> you know my french at the time was very good i was quite fluent um i'm very rusty now but i was quite fluent and on the phone you know sounded great uh and um yeah and like they're they're very prejudiced against um like africans algerians there's like a whole history of the whole thing Right. Yeah. There's like, it's, if you want to see something uh, that kind of approaches that subject, there's a film called Cachet, which is really disturbing um, about the Algerian, uh, uh, 
what's the word? They uh, they brought Algerians over as indentured workers. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. they, yeah, the whole thing there. So I would say watch Cachet for that. Um, but yeah, my experience in general as a black woman, I mean, it was okay, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, just I know feel- my, mm-hmm. oh, so go, go ahead. No, 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 please, by all means. Well, I know my friend uh, who also got an au pair. This is all under the table, by the way. <laughs> That's how we got mm-hmm. our au pair, au pair jobs. But she got mistreated by her family really badly so um and actually the the family i worked for the husband called the family and he's like uh he screamed at them on the phone and then they paid my friend and she was able to go go back home wow that's crazy (laughs) yeah i just yeah (laughs) none of this surprises me but i also think to a degree, obviously, because like, for example, I will never forget when um, Serena, Serena Williams was, I saw some, some kind of docu-series about her or episode where she was um, in Italy and felt like she was being overcharged or being treated unfairly because she's rich and because she's black. So none of this surprises me. Like I say, like, wow, and all these things. But again, it doesn't really unfortunately it doesn't really shock me um but i also feel like especially for the movie with cynthia there is this level of if again this is not unlike the united states for example if you can entertain me black Mm -hmm. person then i will embrace and accept you even more than someone going into a shop to get a job who's black is do you agree? Disagree? Well, here's the thing. So um, I looked up um, like uh, black Americans in France and it stems back from the wars, uh, World War One and, and two. And, you know, like the black soldiers realizing, hey, I can kind of live my life freely in France. Like I don't you know, there's not um, there isn't any like segregation laws here. They, they could just basically walk down the street and not feel um, like someone was going to verbally abuse them, attack them because of the color of their skin. So they decided to go there. I mean, there's also um, like Josephine Baker, of course, she became, you know, a, an incredibly famous entertainer there. Um, James Baldwin, Richard Wright, all these uh, um, black American like Harlem Renaissance writers all went over there because they could live freely. There is also just generally, as I said before, like descendants from um, black soldiers because they could live freely. But then at the same time, when you're saying that, um, Ashley, like if you're in a black American and entertain me, like there's this weird, I guess, fascination or fetishization of black culture. Mm hmm. And so when it moves to, like, say, a place like France, this is just my kind of ruminations. I'm, I have nothing to back this up on, but just from what I've read and what I've seen and, and just being black as well as an observer, it just seems like, you know, it, it, there's, it's kind of like, um, oh, how can I describe this? Like when you draw a flower, right, <clears throat> you have an idea of what a flower looks like in your head. So when that idea kind of steps out of what you think it is and it's actual actually a reality so you kind of your expectations are 
they they are what you expect and what you actually get are two different things so you know sure there's like say josephine baker the the entertainer and she's like wild french audiences and everything but then she's a person she's a black person so Mm -hmm. i don't know that maybe french culture separate like it separates that so you kind of glorify the entertainer and the exotic nature of a black person in france yeah. And maybe that's why everybody could walk around freely, <laughs> you know, because my dad had the same thing happen to him here. I know there's a lot of racism in Canada, but when my dad first came to Toronto, he lived um, in a rooming house on a very um, historic street, Spadina or Spadina Road. And he stayed in a rooming house there. And uh, he people would stop him and say, hey, where are you from? Like just out of a curiosity, not in a racist way. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, then, you know, people would give him rides and stuff. They were just really interested and curious. So, you know, you have this, I don't know, it's just contradictions are just pretty evident where, you know, you, there are racist people, but then, you know, there's a curiosity and, a and, um, uh, I guess, an people want to learn about culture. So I don't know. I don't even know how to put it, but yeah. <laughs> So it's basically a mixed bag to a degree. Yeah, I because I think, yeah, because I think there, just like your country and my country, there are certain areas where you feel, I guess, a little, I guess, a grain, grains worth more comfortable maybe leaving your house to run an errand or Mm -hmm. go to a social gathering as a person of color. Like, I'm trying to, like, you know what I mean? Like, in, in Philadelphia, where the population um, of Black people specifically is a very large, is a large enough percentage where, you know, you can pretty much walk down almost um, almost any street and kind of at arm's length, there's always a Black person, a, a, a pedestrian or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're always going to see Black people. So you feel your guard isn't down, but you do, there's a level, you're breathing a little bit more evenly, so to speak. Um, because you see enough people that look like you and from my experience the nature of Philadelphians is you know we stay out of each other's business but if if something gets real hype we're going to come together and help you Mm -hmm. or we're going to see if you're you're going to we're going to see if you're okay or need something and that's just kind of how people are here Um, so I, I guess that's I don't I feel like I'm rambling and kind of losing the train of what we're kind of discussing but no (laughs) <laughs> no it's on it's like, like yeah I just like I I never really although I did have like maybe one encounter in the subway um where this uh this person begging in the subway he um saw my friend and I walk past and he goes uh salras which is basically he's like oh you're you know you're you're disgusting basically because you're black so I'm like whatever <laughs> whatever street dude <laughs> meanwhile I'm like living on instant coffee and yogurt (laughs) not far off from where he is but you know i mean he felt he had that one thing that he he would above me which was he was white you know even though he was a street person begging in the subway he still had the wherewithal to make a nasty comment towards my friend and i but then you know i mean i generally went about my business with not really. To, I mean, I was aware because I'm in a different country and I, I, you know, 
I didn't know the city. So, of course, you have to be kind of aware of your surroundings. But, yeah, um, I don't know. It's just uh, weird. Oh, know. so they so they bold out there. They're just muttering. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, because my experience is so different because I grew up in a spoiled, I'm a just mid-Atlantic Lots of black people, like, it's like the whole attitude of a lot of us black folks here is just like, I wish a white person would mutter under their breath because this, then it's on. Like, it's like, it's like, there's a lot, I forget what the saying is. Oh man, I forget the saying, but it's, it's something like about how, how white racism like operates in different regions of the United States, in that United States, like North versus South. I forget what the saying is. It's just like, mm. The, this is the way white folks are in the south, so to speak, and the way the white folks are in the north, so to speak. And I, oh, I oh, this is killing me. Forgive me. I am again. I don't know why people think I'm an articulate person. I, I can I, I can be, but sometimes I totally can't be. And this is one of those times. But yeah, I. So yeah, white people are just horrible everywhere. Like, and not all of you, obviously, but. Yeah. With these the the experiences that we have, this is why you know we say listen to people of color because we're not saying all, but these these are our experiences. And if enough of us are saying it, well, then maybe there's an internal problem, and maybe your white people meeting should be a little bit more catered toward how can we undo <laughs> the white supremacist agenda that has been burned and seared into our consciousness internally yeah. and externally for our millennia. Well, that's the thing too. And you know, and and I've seen it too. Um they have these um these gorgeous like um apartment buildings and I guess the closest example I could use is the Dakota in New York. Um but in in the place where John Lennon was shot? Yeah, like that, you know, the and the Rosemary's Baby building. But that that type of apartment building except there's they're designed differently so you go in there's a courtyard there's a um the concierge uh which is like the super they live on the first floor within the courtyard this is generally speaking um i think it's probably changed now but when i was there which was like 91 um 1991 so i uh you would walk in and then uh, depending on the building there would either be a stairwell where you and like every few flights of stairs, you would have to hit the light button to turn the light on, or there's an elevator. Uh, and there are a lot of these apartments. Um, there are a lot of immigrant families living in one to two bedroom uh, studio apartments. And like we're talking six to 10 people living in this type of environment, like this type of uh, apartment. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, were, I mean, I, when I went, I felt like Paris was a city of immigrants, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and and you see that in in um, in Diva too. Um, you see that there's like there's everybody like Jules is, is French, um, Cynthia is a Black American woman. Then there's Alba, who's an Asian girl. I believe she's Vietnamese. I'm not sure. Yeah, he I, said. He's the her eccentric. I don't know. I think it's always creepy. I shouldn't yeah. say that. You know what I mean? I should not say that, but it just yeah. it seemed odd. Like that you just picked her up off of like off of a road. Like he said something about Viet Cong. Cong. Yeah. 
So I don't um, know if he was just being kind of generally like a, a racist in terms of like being snide towards her yeah. or if that's actually where she was from. But, you know, with Alba too, I wanted to talk about her briefly because she it was nobody's fool. That girl was street smart. Um, she knew what she was doing and she kind of reminded me of, um, you know, was her name Rosa in 40 year old version? You know, yeah. the, the mm -hmm. tough girl. So she kind of reminded me of her when she's trying to steal a record. And then the guy's like, can I see your portfolio? Because he suspects her of stealing. And she opens it and it's a nude pictures of her. She goes, um, can I get dressed now? You know, she closes yeah. the portfolio and walks out. That was a Rosa moment because I'm like, Rosa flashed her boobs and goes, okay, so now you looked at a minor. So, you know. Yeah, I, I was wondering. I was wondering how old she was. I'm just like, I don't think, I, I'm sure the actress was over 18. I, she, uh, yeah. I don't know how they get down and you're yeah. those restrictions, but. Um. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> That's all yeah I, I didn't even think that was her angle, honestly. Cause it's, cause, mm. I, cause the whole stereotype is, oh, you're French. Everybody's free and everything like mm -hmm. that. So, and it's a nudity, no big deal. It's similar, not to get off topic, but like to steer for, to like steer a little bit for a second. It's like the idea of when we were, um, I was having a conversation with a couple of friends that show misfits, like mm. how that can, that sometimes that could be really sexually charged and how I think at one of the British awards, they were talking about how, or, or one of the shows where they were kind of talking about how kids will watch that with their parents. And we're like, What? You could never watch a show like Misfits with your parents. But no. again, we come from this like prudish, like puritanical kind of a um, American culture to an extent where generally speaking, it's not cool to be like watching people uh, fucking in nudity with your parents. Like, you know, yeah. the whole idea is like you're not supposed to know what sex is until you come home with a baby. And then yep. there's just the imagination that your parents knew that it took sex for you to get their grandchild. Like that's how <laughs> it worked. So I'm thinking, so when I'm looking at Alba, I'm just like, first of all, she looks, un she looks super underage. So I do not want to see this child's nudity. I don't care mm -hmm. if it seems tasteful or whatever, I'm not comfortable with this. And then the guy's just looking at it, but I'm not thinking about the guy looking at it where, he, oh, he sh probably shouldn't be looking at this child's naked body. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. And, uh, you know, it, it, there is a certain freedom uh, in Europe in terms of the body and, and people being, like, free with their, you know, with themselves and, and their sexuality. So there's that. Um, but I noticed also there's also a scene where Alba, it's it's, it's really, this movie kind of has these, like, like vignettes where um, people are just doing things, like, specifically with Alba and Gordish, because he's just like the Zen master kind of dude who's doing a puzzle or lying in the bathtub or buttering a giant baguette. Mm -hmm. um, but he does these things in kind of a Zen like way. Um, he's kind of her, she is his charge or his muse in some ways, but then you see her and she's going about her business. She steals a watch. Um, she steals music. Um, She's taking her own pictures. There's a scene there where she's taking her own photographs. Yeah. Um, she's very curious about a, becoming a woman. Um, she puts apples in her, you know, uh, basically to make her, her chest look bigger. She's <laughs> just a very curious, very street smart, very 
um, aware young woman. So, you know, in terms of her relationship with Gordish, and actually, those two characters come from a series of books um, written by, I believe his name was Daniel Odier, and um, they're reoccurring characters in these series of crime novels. So they kind of help solve crimes. So Diva was one of the books in the series. So they're kind of, in a way, the main characters, even though they're not really seen as that. So they have this relationship where it's not never consummated, um, but they have this, I guess, a love relationship in terms of they care about each other. I don't know. It's like a weird symbiotic relationship where this girl goes out and, you know, gets recon for this older man. I don't, I shrug. It's not personally right now in these days, not, doesn't appear appropriate, Mm -hmm. but you know, they never, and it's funny with this movie too. I'm off on a tangent again. This movie is not particularly sexual in terms of a French film. There's like maybe one scene where um, Jules takes the Cynthia's dress and he gets a prostitute to wear it. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, weird. And like, so he has sex with her. I guess he's kind of projecting that it's obviously it's Cynthia, but they don't even show the sex scene. There's some nudity, but there's no like actual... um, rumpa pumping oh my god <laughs> well, how old you know are you <laughs> i don't know I'm like you know what i'm saying like there's no heavy hot and heavy sex right so i found that really unusual for a french film because usually somebody's having sex somewhere or somebody's making out or you know that's just the nature of a french film is that they're okay with sexuality but it was i found it really interesting that this film wasn't filled with you know these sexual moments and maybe that just leans more towards because I always considered Jules the main character, and and to to play not necessarily devil's advocate, but to also but to let's consider that maybe this weird eccentric guy who probably has a lot of money, and he did have a really odd. His apartment was too dark for me, but I also found it really um, compelling, and the way. Uh, Alba moved about moved about in the apartment and the way he even did too um, maybe he was just an eccentric old man who wanted some company yeah and was able to use you know a disadvantaged situation to his own advantage and he found kind of a companion that there's no sex there's no creepiness there's no undertones of anything sinister behind it. It's just these two are two people who know each other and that depend on each other in different ways. So, mm. and honestly, there's nothing in the film to suggest otherwise than probably what I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. So um, all of that being said, I think maybe maybe there's, maybe it's just not us, because isn't the movie kind of classified as a thriller? So I think- I think there's just more focus on the kind of the, the crime case that's kind of going on and how all mm-hmm. of these uh, characters kind of intertwine with each other. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like two crime things because you have these shadow men who want the, who want the recording of Cynthia, who want Cynthia's recording, mm-hmm. and then these other two kind of like um, 
goon type characters and then the main uh, cop character who's actually um, doubles as I'm not going to use the term again because that was <laughs> that was me being um, nut nut nutty, but just being this um, other, just having another face basically, and mm-hmm. abusing women, and you know, keeping them in kind of sexual and psychological bondage. Uh, so, I think that was probably the core of what we're looking at, and I think there's more. I don't know. I think I think I think um, it's it seems okay yeah I maybe it's just kind of straying from that convention and maybe because mm-hmm. it is nice to kind of not see especially women of color be so sexualized I know there is um I believe she's a black um female prostitute but she has a nice conversation with him you know she's like oh you know she's talking about her the light she goes look at i bought this light isn't that cool it creates ambiance and she's like <laughs> oh you're kind of cute you should come back and see me like these it's it's funny because the women in this movie kind of have an autonomy over themselves even the prostitute that gets killed she has an autonomy because she steals that cassette tape with her her the, the condemning information mm-hmm she hides it from the thugs she has like an autonomy where she knows okay i'm gonna be killed in about 10 minutes i'm gonna do something to thwart them having this evidence so she hides it in jules's bag right and then she gets killed and but the thing is she knows she's getting killed um cynthia is trying to stop people from basically quote-unquote stealing her voice and alba um doesn't like alba's basically it's her own gaze that's taking these nude pictures of herself so all these women are very autonomous and and they they kind of control their situation even um the female cop you know she (laughs) i feel like all the men in this film save maybe goderish they're all kind of somewhat bumbling and they're not really they're not really with it like they they, they're kind of clueless in a way and Mm -hmm. they're trying to they're trying to do all these things meanwhile the women are just like okay well this is happening and that's happening but i don't know that's just a kind of a an offshoot take that i had yeah i think so too um i i i agree with that that's that's true maybe that also again was another um, good part that kind of grabbed me and except for um i I'm, i'm not getting names but alba's uh partner What's oh, his name again? Go- Goderish. I think yeah. his name is Serge Goderish in the book, but yeah, I don't know. Okay. Goderish. Because uh, again, uh, Carolyn speaks French. I do not. So Actually, I don't even know what language. I think it's Gorodish. Sorry. I'm saying it wrong. It's Gorodish. <laughs> I can't do any. I'm so American. I can't yeah. even roll. I can't even roll my R's. This is, I'm pathetic. But anyway. Yes, I. It's funny because, like, at towards the end, like at the at the third act, I was like, "Oh, this guy's real MVP," because he's kind of coming in at like the eleventh hour and kind of being able to kind of help. Like at first, I I kind of thought, was he the mole? Like, is he a part of this cabal too? But no, luckily not. He's he was a good guy and tried his best to help. Um, mm-hmm. He even even. Um, made sure that those um, shadow men didn't get, I'm calling them shadow men, mm-hmm. um, the, ta- the Taiwanese gentlemen did not get uh, Cynthia's recording. So Yeah. 
Yeah, I thought that was really, and I, when I first saw it, I'm like, whoa, when he had rigged the car. <laughs> I was like, whoa, and he just straight up walks away like, what, whatever, you know. <laughs> so that was really cool because um, the inspector who is the real villain here, um, he rigs Gorodish's car to explode. But Gorodish is like, not me, not today, Satan. And um, <laughs> the Taiwanese guys get kind of they get blown up instead of Gorodish. um i did find though that the ending went on a bit too long i was like oh, oh yes God. what now okay what now you know so that really frustrated me a little bit but uh you know i mean it all worked out in the end i, I felt like it was i don't know i felt like it was a um a personal choice on the editor and director i'm not sure i feel like it was one of those things where Oh, we're just going to draw this out. Also, it didn't have the finesse of an action movie at all. So, and that's fair. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it to, but you can clear it seemed more realism than anything else to, to an extent. Also, even I had to remind myself as a person, because what it like um, how the um, young lady who's a prostitute gets murdered in the beginning. And I'm mm -hmm. just like, I had to remind myself, I'm like, oh, yeah, they don't have guns necessarily all the time mm. um and i also thought it was really interesting or quiet this is a quieter way to um to off someone um and also a really interesting way it was very gosh this is the only reference i can think of right now very jason voorhees-esque like just taking a weapon and kind of like hurling it towards someone's back yeah and being able to kill them in one hit so um yeah and also the other sidebar now that I'm just kind of like having these kind of free associative thoughts, like what was with people with bare feet? Girl, I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you something. Paris in the 80s, y'all do not want to be walking around barefoot out there. Oh. Okay. Anywhere, quite frankly. But when I was, okay, look, I was there in 91 and the subways, I think apparently they've cleaned them up now. The subways, were just infested with mice. So you could be sitting there waiting for a train and a mouse would run out from under the bench. It was filthy. I mean, the trains themselves were okay, but the platforms, because I mean, I don't know how old, obviously it's like hundreds of years old, the, the, the subway, but the mice were just out of this world. And there's, um, oh my God, was it uh, that film Ready to Wear? Um, mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Who's the director? The famous director. Anyway, so he directed that film. It's a parody on the fashion world. Everybody's stepping in a pile of shit. It's true. There was poo everywhere. Poo really? everywhere. And the irony is they have these big water trucks going around with these guys sweeping the streets and, like, sweeping the gutters with water. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? The poo is on the street. <laughs> Clean the sidewalks. It was... Filthy, filthy. His, but his I, name is is Robert. It's a Robert Altman. Robert Altman. Thank you, God. I don't know why I just completely blanked on him. But yeah, like it's true. There was poo everywhere. Um, really stinky. But then they have these street washers. So I'm like scratching my head, going, "Y'all not really doing your jobs because there's poo everywhere." <laughs> anyway, that's an aside. But yeah, the barefoot stuff. Uh uh. I mean, it's gross almost anywhere. I mean, maybe mm -hmm. except for maybe Singapore, but like, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I have such that that's a, 
I'm probably slightly a germaphobe, and also I just never thought that it was ever a good idea to be barefoot. Like I don't even I barely like to be barefoot in my own home, and I mm. have like, and I have I have like these kind of like um, catered restrictions on where you can wear house shoes in in my home space. So I do all of that, but even still, I'm like I don't being barefoot is not something I'm always comfortable with. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I think there's something health wise with you know being barefoot all the time too like it's always you have there's there's something about making sure that your feet clean that are, is an extension of your um of your health overall there's all these kinds of things i just i when i see people barefoot and like i was watching um i rewatched uh a, a docu-series called funny girls and one mm-hmm. of the one of the comics on it she she like you know she was she's um heavier set so she was wearing heels and it got to a point where they, they were, those heels were killing her and she would be barefoot like it was for a brief second but still barefoot on the sidewalk and i'm yeah. just like why would you even fit like bring flats just don't put some flip-flops in your purse and keep it moving like don't oh it drives me nuts yeah so yeah there was like two people at, at s- separate times um just barefoot out in the street and i'm just like i can't no i, I cannot no no and oh no like <laughs> i used to be a party girl and i used to go to a lot of clubs and the club bathrooms are a nightmare <laughs> and yes i've had a few blackout drunk moments and i'm so <laughs> glad that i did because i ended up on the floor of these nasty bathrooms oh. and i don't ever want to remember that i am a germaphobe i am a certified germaphobe um and yes i i have an issue with being barefoot outside unless it's on grass nicely you know nice grass or like on the beach that's fine but even you know we went away the beach like we were like okay is this good is this good yeah (laughs) looking at the sand going Mm -hmm. is this good is this good but sometimes sometimes people don't make sure that the beach is clean either like people the people in the public they just treat it like they treat like the streets and i'm just like no this is a beach can you clean up after yourself please don't smoke and put cigarette butts exactly i hate that so much that really skews me out that's what makes me go oh no i need to put my shoes back on yeah yep um so yeah you're right there's a we we allotted ourselves a little bit of freedom you know but still mm. i'm very mindful of the, I'm, I'm constantly looking at the sand for something gross that I might potentially step on. I'm just, I just, it's like, it's one of those kind of like neurotic quirks that I have, but yeah, I, this is, this is what I'm saying. I'm just like, that's what I was thinking. I was like, is this how they get down to France? They just walk around barefoot. Like that just, this seems so unsanitary. No, but I mean, also, I mean, I don't know. It's just gross over there. I mean, well, when I was there, I know they did clean it up a fair bit. Um, they probably also, cleaned it up like Giuliani cleaned up Times Square. It's still dirty, but cleaner. But also, too, I have to remind myself, I was there. I was also in um, England. I've been to England a few times. Um, London, uh, Manchester. These are old cities, right? So they're not as new as, uh, say, Toronto. And they have old streets and, and cobblestone streets and and you know old buildings so that's another thing i also had to remind myself it's like okay this is this is like i guess well kept old (laughs) you know (laughs) like they they do clean the streets um 
Because, you know, another thing that kind of struck me when I used to see the street cleaners is like this medieval, like people throwing their buckets of uh, human waste out the window. And, you know, it's, it's very medieval. There are some areas that are extremely medieval looking. Um, so it, it's, it's something you have to remind yourself to. These are very old cities and it, it's just, some of them are just gross <laughs> and coming from a new city and, you know, from an upbringing where, you know, you don't wear, as you're saying, don't wear shoes in the house and you clean up. And my mother was a uh, class A germaphobe. So she was, but it's weird because she would let the neighbor's cat in and feed him bologna and let him drool under the kitchen table. So go figure. But anyway, um, she was very particular about cleanliness and, 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 you know, yeah, she will scream at my dad who had come up from his studio in the basement. Go wash your hands. You have paint all over your hands. Don't touch me. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Paris is an old city and it's yeah, they try, though. I think they're trying. So I don't have we been clear about what. So, yeah, you gave a synopsis, but I'm trying to think if there's anything else to kind of pick and prod at with this movie, because it is really good. I like I really like I'm really glad that you recommended this because, again, had no idea what to expect. But also. um it's something I would even, I would recommend, like, I would, yeah, from hearing, I guess from hearing the synopsis, just knowing that it's kind of a thriller, it's kind of a more serious caper. I, yeah, if you're into that kind of stuff, you would watch it. That's why I said this is like a more, this is like a sophisticated SVU. This is, this is basically when SVU was good, which is probably <laughs> what I would call <laughs> this movie. Like it, it, it has those kind of um, undertones, and also the way the women were in the movie, I appreciated. Even the way mm. the men were, the men, every everybody played their position really, really well to make mm. this movie come together. Um, this is, and, and it's not easy because sometimes I've seen movies fall flat and fail when they try to put where they put the kitchen sink into two hours, and I think this one does it really well. Mm-hmm. And I also like that, um, you know, when I was a kid, I think my dad, uh, in terms, he was a big music buff and he loved jazz, but he always talked about uh, Leontine Price, uh, um, but also there's Kathleen Battle, Jesse Norman, but these black um, opera singers that, you know, it, 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 it kind of makes me feel proud to see these black women taking on such a classical form of music um, and like seeing um, Wilhelmina Fernandez, who actually did her own vocals, obviously, because she is an actual opera singer. I don't think she did any other acting aside from this. Um, but, you know, to see this powerful woman singing with such a beautiful voice um, um do you know why she was casted? Do you have any info on that? Um, I think they wanted, there was like a, I did see a little tidbit on IMDb when they said they wanted a, a black woman to sing a specific, that specific opera. Let me just see here. I think I, I have it um, pulled up. But yeah, they wanted a, a black woman to sing a specific opera. And then they went to the opera that night. Um and they found her 
let me just see with the the did you knows quote unquote uh let's see the producers they were looking for an actress to fit um Cynthia Hawkins a character and they said uh they went to a performance of Carmen and they saw Wilhelmina Fernandez who was playing the title role so they saw her and they thought oh she's perfect so yeah which I thought was kind of interesting I don't know how true that is because it's an IMDB did you know trivia so I don't know where (laughs) that information comes from because I did do a little bit of research to look up the um the director um I'll link an interview he's a very interesting guy um he also he did um I think maybe two or three films I've seen his other film Betty Blue um Mm -hmm. and that one's uh, also, it's a romance. It's about a woman who is mentally, um, she has some mental issues and she, uh, her boyfriend is a writer and um, it's just him trying to manage her mental illness and trying to get her, um, his book written. Um, it's Beatrice Dahl who plays um, the girlfriend. Um, and it's just, you know, it's kind of like a road trip romance kind of, it's kind of sad, um, but he is very much uh, his own person, this director. Uh, and he basically, apparently Betty Blue was like four hours and he oh, refused to like cut it down. I think there's like some sort of a collection that's out of his films. And so he, with Diva, he said that um, he basically didn't want to do what the producers wanted. So he did his own thing. And this is the the result. So I'm glad he went with his own you know, instincts and, and what he wanted to do. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's one of my favorite films from my youth. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, you, yeah. Rao, you're showing your age again. I, know. I, think, I think I think there can be slithers kind of uh, sliced down, of course, to make this a little bit more. Yeah. To, to make the pacing a little bit more. Because um, you do kind of feel it at a certain point. There are, there are, there are they're they're rare but there are lows where it's just like okay this could be i don't know but maybe that's the point um mm-hmm. because if you if you change the pacing at a, a certain points in the movie it could kind of throw off the tone i don't know just kind of throwing that out there as a possibility yeah but um yeah this this was um fantastic and even again I always um, I, I teach my I teach my kids this. I always always kind of keep this in mind because I have a little bit, I've lived a little bit of life enough to kind of like keep in mind that um, this is why I teach the young kids. Like you have to take you have to look at films in the context of um, a, again where they're made, who they're made by, and the time period. So mm-hmm. and Diva is definitely one of those relics that um, I enjoy exactly for what it is. There's no there's no representation that is ever perfect that, that, that doesn't exist, obviously, but I really do like the textures that are running through each of these characters. Even if these actors are, are novices or not actors at all. Um, I was convinced and I had, and I was, I was glued in. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Cause yeah, again, mm-hmm. it's, Oh, it's close to my heart. I actually did find the soundtrack in a like a secondhand shop. I don't know for like some ridiculous like five bucks. So I, it's one of my treasured I, I, items. Yeah, I was gonna say I do like um, the piano score mm-hmm. that plays um, when you see Cynthia. Cynthia, right? 
Yes, Cynthia. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm confusing. There's so many names. But yeah, when, when Cynthia and Jules are together or there's yes. a scene where I really like that piano score. It nice. really reminded me of like um, those Chanel commercials or like a, a music video. So I can <laughs> see why the Cinema du Look had a specific like name for that, that, that type of filmmaking. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I highly recommend it. Yeah. And as you said, like, take it for when it was made. <laughs> Can you buy this anywhere? Oh, I'm not sure. I, yeah, I was able to buy it. Uh, I think I ordered it off of Amazon. I oh, okay. Think. Yeah, I think it's available. There's also some sort of box set of for for um, uh, Jean Jean Jacques Benix and his work. There is some sort of a box set. I I'm, I don't know where. I don't know if it's only available in Europe or what, but um, he has that as well. And I I would recommend uh, if you can find Betty Blue. Um, my boyfriend had a copy of it, so we watched it, and um, yeah, that kind of stole my heart too. It's a little bit sexist. A little bit, but again, <laughs> it's the time. It's the eighties, um, but it's it's kind of a, a tumultuous romance film. So yeah, I highly recommend his films. All right, so that's it for me. Yeah, I would say see this. Get, get your life. Get some culture. <laughs> if you're if you're like me and my raggedy raggedy existence, you feel a little bit more sophisticated after seeing Diva. Personally. Oh my god. Oh, uh also I wanted to say too as we're wrapping this up. Happy New Year to I our listeners. I'm just- <laughs> I know. Ish. <laughs> Listen, I'm happy. I hope that everyone is making it as best as they can mm-hmm. with what they have and I hope for everything that you want that's better and good for the rest of your days here. That's what I'll say about the new year. It's always hard because you're always these is oh there's no matter what kind of no matter what the year is, you're always going to navigate landmines of sensitive topics and also good stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm just hoping every everybody's doing well. I really do. Yeah, same here. Ditto. Um, but Ashley, where can people find you? At Ashley takes note on Twitter, Carolyn. I am at VFD Pixie on the Twitters. And uh, yeah, that's about it. See you next time. Bye.